0: Hi, I'm your host, Jessica Peresta, and I'm so glad you're here. Whether you're at home, in your car, in the shower, or wherever else you're listening, grab your cup of coffee or whatever other beverage is nearby and listen in to the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast.
1: I'm Ann, co-host of Transparency in Teaching, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other
0: interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Today's guest is someone who is actually near and dear to my heart. (laughs) Tina Arenas is someone who I have gotten to know in a lot of different ways. We've connected musically as music educators and had conversations. I've also gotten the pleasure of being able to coach her and help her with her business that she's starting. It's just so cool hearing her story about musical play and why she loves bringing musical play into her classroom. What she loves why she loves it what her students love about it and how she loves inspiring other music teachers so i knew i had to have her on the podcast to talk about this because first of all it's a conversation we have not ever had on the podcast and second of all when you hear her speak about this topic you are going to immediately hear the joy that just radiates from her when she speaks about it it's just something she's so passionate about and it makes you want to learn more just by hearing her so Tina, not to go on forever, but I want you to introduce yourself to the listeners and just let them know about you, where you live. That's an interesting part of your story as well. And just anything else you want the listeners to know about who you are?
1: I just want to kind of start with uh, I was born and raised in Oklahoma. I really believed growing up that I was supposed to star in the movie Fame the original, let me be clear about that. That also shows my age. <laughs> we always joke about that. Um, and we had a long hallway in our house. So I would pretend that I was in the movie Fame and I would run down and, you know, um, sing, I want to live forever, <laughs> you know. Um, so that was definitely a part of my childhood I lived in Oklahoma city until I was in fourth grade. And then we moved to a small town in Oklahoma called Wagner Hmm. spelled Wagoner, but you say Wagner. And in the fifth grade, just talking musically, I joined band. My dad is a musician. So I think that had a lot to do with sort of my influence. Started band, started on trumpet, stayed on trumpet, it all focused on music education. So Mm -hmm. I got to take courses like, of course, I got to do private study with a, with a player in one of the orchestras and then take things like history of Italian opera and history of Italian theater. And of course, Italian language. And I think that's when I really discovered my love of wanting to travel abroad and possibly live abroad. And I just loved seeking things that were outside of my little bubble. Mm-hmm. And um, I also come from part Italian, um, Italian heritage. So I think I was going there to kind of seek a little bit of my history too. Then I came back home to Oklahoma um, in Norman. I student taught. And I said, oh, I'm never going to move to Texas to teach. I'm going to stay here. And then what did I do? I actually moved to Texas after I graduated Ah. and moved to the Dallas-Fort Worth area and started my first teaching job. So I taught for a little while there. And then while I was still teaching, I met my husband, um, who is also an elementary music teacher and amazing percussionist. I met him while taking a West African drum and dance class. So I was dancing, he was drumming and there you go. We got married. Um, and then after 11 years of teaching in Texas, uh, we moved to Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. We moved here, started a job, new place. I was seven and a half months pregnant. Um, I think that's an important thing to note. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Because I think a lot of my friends thought I was crazy, but now we've been teaching elementary music here at the Amer- American School of Dubai for, this is our 10th year. Wow. Um, so something stuck, you know, yeah, we're here absolutely. And, Um we've had a really good experience and um, yeah. So at that time <clears throat> in Texas, I taught kindergarten through fifth grade music. And so when I moved to American School of Dubai, the opening was for early childhood music, I had never taught anything else, Mm -hmm. I guess, at a younger age than kindergarten so it was my first time to teach four year olds and then uh, two years ago we added a three year old program. So I teach basically three to six-year-olds all day every day that's my Mm -hmm. my schedule so um it's been a definitely a learning experience for me but i'm i've been so grateful because it's opened up so many ways that and
0: not only going to a new country teaching, you know, moving there while you're pregnant, but also, like you said, teaching a new age group you had never taught before. That's intimidating. Talking to so many elementary music <laughs> teachers, including myself, I remember the day I got asked to teach pre-K, and then we ended up getting a three-year-old classroom. You know, you think you'd be more intimidated to teach the older grades, which some teachers probably are, but for me, because that was my fear. It was the unknown, and the, I've never done this before, like, what am I supposed to do with three year olds? And so I know you, you've figured it out. I mean, you have figured it out and you're doing a great job. And it all goes back to musical play, which is what you are going to talk about. I'm so excited to hear about it because I know the music teachers listening in right now who either they teach preschool or they're just wanting to bring more musical play into kindergarten or first grade music or any of the grade levels they teach. You have things that you have tried and that work. And so I want to hear about that. So let's start with that. You're passionate about musical play. So just start off by telling us, what do you love about it? How did you begin exploring it or
1: anything else you want the listeners to know about it? Well, I think it actually went back to the college days, honestly. I mean, I remember, I think it was our sophomore year or something like that. You take a practicum. It's not your student teaching, but you take a practicum class and you go out and you observe different classes and things like that. And at the time, I mean, I'll be honest, I was, you know, doing all the things an orchestra, jazz band, uh, wind ensemble, everything, choir, chamber ensemble and choir. Um, trumpet was my life. I thought I was going to be the leading female band conductor in the region. You know, I had all these yeah. <laughs> ideas about what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Right because that's what I saw. I mean, that's what I was around. And, and of course, when you're in band or, or whatever ensemble or whatever has drawn you into music education, there's always something that draws you in, right? You have a connection wow. with. Um, that's just what I thought I was destined to be. And mm-hmm. that's what my path was for a long time all of my friends were doing that. Um, That was the focus, you know, that's what you did, right. You graduate Mm. and then you conduct a high school ensemble. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You've made it right. You've made it. That's the pinnacle.
2: Yeah.
1: However, during one of the practicum visits, I'll never forget. We went to Libby Waldenville's elementary class. Um, I can't remember the school, but it was in Norman, Oklahoma. And uh, we went in and visited and I I don't even remember what grade it was. I mean, it had to be probably, you know, first, second grade, something like that. And the kids were all singing and like crawling around like cats and um, playing and moving and dramatizing. And there was a lot of creation going on. And at the time I thought. Oh my gosh, I'm at home, I have landed in my happy place. Um, Mm. That's kind of who I am as a musician. And I think that's uh, sort of that little spark. When I saw that, I thought, that's actually what I wanna be doing, Mm. teaching. Um, How do I get into that? How do I get more of that? Because this actually is my personality and it looks so fun and playful. And so that was where it really started. And then from there, I just decided to sort of change the trajectory of my training and go more towards, um, excuse me, um, the elementary music pathway. Mm -hmm. So all of my training then sort of, headed that way but when you talk about musical play I actually thought about a quote yeah so if you don't mind me quoting a quote yeah perfect uh, that really I think pulls it all together for me so there's this quote by Julia Cameron who's the author of the artist way if you don't know the book it's sort of a way to rediscover your creativity and yourself But she says, we are ourselves creations, and we in turn are meant to continue creativity by being creative ourselves. Mm. So when you think about that, like, even as humans, as like humanity, we're created to be creative. I mean, that's just at the core of our being. So a part of reaching into that creativity is through play and music just happens to be our medium through that. And so I think we just as music teachers, when we're thinking about that and sort of reflecting on that quote and that idea that we need to truly honor that instead of well, I gotta get this standard and I gotta make sure that these kids know Ta and TT. and I gotta, you know,
2: yes. it's like
1: at the core, who are we? And right. what do we need and what do we crave as human beings? Right. Yeah. So yeah. at the core, that's that's something I'm really um passionate about in that way. Yeah. Yeah, because
0: kids need to experience music. Yeah, of course they need to learn it. And of course, like you said, there's standards to cover. Of course sure. there are, but if they're not experiencing music and having fun with it or crawling around or using their bodies <laughs> in different ways. They're not exploring music the way it's meant to be explored it's not meant to be sit and just sit the whole time and you were talking about your experience, you know, I think we can learn from observing. Uh, different teachers, good or bad, or like, I want to do that. I don't want to do that. And I had those experiences as well. I remember walking in you know, my first practicum, I think I was a sophomore in college and same, walked in an elementary classroom. The first elementary music classroom I had been in, let's be honest, probably since I was in elementary school and just being like, these kids were up and moving and dancing and engaged in the lesson and there were no chairs set up and they were just, it was just awesome. And I mean, granted, she probably may have planned that lesson knowing we were coming. So she but I mean maybe may what she did in that classroom every time. But then I've shared this story before my student teaching experience. The kids sat in chairs and turned to the next page in whatever music curriculum she was using and sang the song of the day and then the next time turned the page. There was no logic behind it. There was no planning behind it. It was just like, what are we doing in here? I remember so when I got mm. to take over. And i i made her feel uncomfortable i think a little bit because my approach was so different because i remember even asking my professor am i allowed to do things my way a little bit in here or do i have to do it the way he goes no i want you to take over and i remember some pushback from her because i said can we move these desks out of the like just push them to the side so i can get the kids moved i just saw the kids faces light up not that she did a bad job but they just wanted to get up a little bit like to have them sit some and mm-hmm. get them up and move these kids need to move and so I took that with me in my first teaching experience where I didn't know how much that would help me when I walked into the school that I've shared this story a billion times I didn't have any resources I didn't even have desks or chairs at my disposal I had nothing but I remembered I remember that experience of wait a minute I just love student teaching where I let the kids be creative and move their bodies and we were moving a lot why am I not doing that here like don't focus on the stuff just get the kids moving so anyways I, I love your story because you're right, we can learn a lot from observing other teachers and from learning from them and even before we become teachers totally. And your story about musical play I, I just love, you know, I think th- there's so much to that where it sparked an interest in you just observing that one teacher was like wait a minute, this is what i'm supposed to be doing, and so I want to get into that in your music classroom. How do you bring musical play to your students? What are some ways that you love
1: to do that?
2: Um, I think it can, you
1: know, you really have to be a reader of energy almost. And, you know, I have to say, too, I mean, I've been teaching now for just a little over 20 years. So I'm not saying that this, you know, (laughs) came my Mm -hmm. first year of teaching. Um, Honestly, I was terrified of kindergarten. My first couple of years of teaching, it was my most feared class to teach. I felt really unconfident, but the more that I've done it and I've been fortunate enough, obviously, to really dive deep into it for now 10 years. I mean, I joke about it at school. I say, oh, my little kindergartners, my seniors are coming, you know, Mm. Um, because they're the oldest grade that I teach at school. So I think... Oh my gosh. There's so many ways to, to think about that as far as like, when you're in it, right. You're in the, in the moment. Um, Mm -hmm. and this is hello, let's preface this by saying not all days are amazing. Um, you know, we, we engage in this playful mindset and this playful way of looking at things for, for those hard days. Mm Right. Right those moments where you know that there's going to be challenges. So I'm not going to paint a picture of like, oh, it's always like this. And uh, you know, everybody's yeah. facing front in the line and are yeah. all ready to come in. That's, that's false. <laughs> right, right. But what we can do is, you know, as teachers sort of read that energy, right? Read the energy of the group, read the energy of the, the individuals in the group. And that's, prefaced with, you know, how have you built your relationships and how do you really know the kids and what kind of energy they're bringing into the environment and what kind of environment do you want to co-create with your students, right? So I, I honestly started even before they come into the space, mm. you know, and sometimes we have a more of a zen playfulness. Sometimes we're just singing right away And the kids can come in singing and we're having sort of a little um, pre-party before Mm -hmm. class gets started. So I don't feel like I have a clear cut, like this is what you do um, to get class started, but it's really um, sort of fielding. Mm -hmm. Okay. Where are they at? Did they just come from recess? Mm. Well, maybe we need to breathe a little bit and come in really calm. Have they been sitting a lot and they're a little bit, Okay, well let's let's come yeah. in and move right away.
0: I think that's a great idea is because knowing it's not a cookie cutter approach. Every class is gonna need something different. And like you said, knowing your schedule yeah. and where are they coming from is so helpful. I know I've been asked this question and you're the perfect person to ask it to, is when you know you're talking about musical play, a music teacher might be thinking, Well, what is that? What is what does it mean to have musical play? People might just be thinking of it as is it playing instruments is it having the kids play a game is it movement or is it all the above so how would you define musical play if you could put a definition to it
1: right so there's a lot of there's there's a lot of discussion about this out there so there's play as a behavior Mm. like like a game something you do right um and then there's also this idea of being playful and having a playful mindset. So I, I don't think of, of play in, in music class as like the activity. I actually think of it mm-hmm. as a way of sort of engaging with the musical material. Okay. Because play, play by definition, is actually something that is very like self-initiated.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, what you want to do. So I think the sort of misconception is in our classes, like we, we can never, I mean, as far as I understand, I don't know if we can ever say that we're doing free play in our music classes, right? Like, Mm because that would be like the student just decides whatever they want to do. Gotcha. But we can provide playful opportunities. We can provide play-based learning experiences Mm -hmm. or playful learning experiences that let them have choice and voice and ownership and um, bringing their own just spin on things instead Mm. of always dictating the outcome. Okay. So I think sometimes people say, well, this is play. It appears to be play because it's fun, but is it playful? Like you can have a very like play-based activity, but if you're sort of dictating every single thing about it, um, Mm -hmm. then it's not really playful anymore. It's just, it's like you just saying, or you just telling kids exactly what to do. Mm -hmm. I always, I, I, the way that I sort of kind of come to it is that I make it a game,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. but I like it, but I like to make a game out of it. So if I'm doing like a treadmill interval or something running, Instead of just running on the treadmill, oh, I'm going to do my lucky 13 today and I'll do like a, you know, run for this many minutes, walk for a minute and I'll do 13 rounds of that. And so I know that's not music related, but Mm -hmm. it's having a playful mindset around something that might not be play for everyone. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah. So what are some ways you do that with, let's say kindergarten? How Mm -hmm. what ways have you, you know, spark curiosity about what they're learning, for example?
1: Okay, so I think that play and having a playful mindset is all about trying new things. Mm -hmm. So. I, I try to bring this into the class by literally asking questions. Mm, That's good. And I feel like when I participated in my Kodai training and ORF training and any movement or dance classes that I've participated in, I noticed that teachers who seemed really masterful at arriving at you feeling like you've owned what you're doing or or what you've created, they're really masterful at asking questions. Mm -hmm. So... I wonder, I notice, I wonder what you'll do next. Can you create a pattern with this or that? Um, With movement, can you make a high shape? Oh, I see someone's, oh, I see someone's experimenting with a low shape now. Can everyone make a low shape? Can you make a high shape or a low shape? What would happen if you connected that shape to a partner? So I feel like with a lot of things, people are kind of looking for, you know, this, cookie cutter okay mm-hmm. I'm gonna be play today
0: <laughs> gotcha
1: yeah but
2: like
0: singing instruments today movement yeah and I'm trying that's the same like it
1: doesn't have to be categories yeah. <laughs> yeah. no but it's it's really it's really like the the playfulness that you bring and the willingness to try new things and to try new things by asking those questions so some of my most um I guess you would say successful or creative lessons have come out of simply asking questions. And for example, like if you thinking about kindergarten and thinking Mm -hmm. about things that people like to do, let's take um, playing with a scarf prop, right? Mm -hmm. So, or even playing with an instrument or anything that's tangible. So I'll use that as an example. There is a thought of, you know and i used to do this and if and there's no judgment if this still happens because you only know your group best but right. for me and my situation i find i found that i was being really controlling with that i wasn't allowing you know a student it's like what do you expect if you hand a 5 year old a scarf <laughs> right like they they want to touch it absolutely <laughs> They want to wait. Oh my god. Yes. What do you expect if you hand them rhythm sticks Mm -hmm. and pass them out and expect them to sit there and wait? And I used to do that. I I did. And they did that. You know, I I set that expectation and then they did that. But then I realized like, wait a minute, if I think about it as if. I let them explore. I give them an an idea first. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm modeling, right? Let's say I have a rhythm stick or a scarf and I say, well, here's an idea I had. What other ideas could I do with it? They're still telling me they don't have a prop at all, but we're sort of co-creating where it can go. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, now that we have some ideas, when you get yours, maybe you could try some of those out. and then from that, let them do it. Not for a long time. You know, you play your bell or whatever your stopping cue is. Let's use some of those ideas. I saw so-and-so waving up, waving their scarf up high. Let's all wave our scarf up high. And I saw somebody else waving it low. Let's wave it low. Or I saw someone topping their sticks like that. Let's tap it like that. So I think sometimes, and that's with like, exploring with unmetered sounds Mm -hmm. there's no like let's put this in a structured musical framework yet so I think that's something that I've really changed is that when dealing with things like props or instruments um I've just really given the time and the space and the opportunity for them to explore it I mean you would never hand you almost have to get out of your musical self to realize with kindergartners, you know, you would never say, here are some blocks. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Don't touch them until I tell you what to do with them. Right. So you have to just think of like, what is a mind of a, a pre-K or a kindergartner, Mm -hmm. you know, they want to get their hands on it as soon as they can, Mm -hmm. but we can still guide them to be safe with it. And and also what that does is all of those things that they've showed you and they've showed their peers then can become sort of the the bank of musical ideas that you can make a, a dance out of that,
2: mm.
1: right? So nothing actually came from you. Oh, yeah. You've allowed them to create the ideas and then you take their ideas and then you create again. So again, it's going back to that quote of like, you have to allow humans Mm -hmm. (laughs) because they're created, you know, this opportunity Mm -hmm. to create themselves. If Mm -hmm. we're constantly, um, telling them what to do there, there's a part of, of, of their experience that's missing, that they're craving, you know? Yeah.
0: The way you just explained that was so eye-opening to me because same, so guilty about giving, you know, you're told that I was by a mentor, procedures, 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 which are so important, but sometimes I was so guilty too about forgetting about the age level of the kids, treating fifth graders the same way I t- treated kindergartner in, in regards to here's a rhythm, you know, here's some rhythm sticks, don't right. touch them, don't look at them, don't hold them, don't, that's hard, that's hard for a five-year-old and like you said giving them not instructions like this is what you have to do but i love the way you presented different ideas of how could you create this what could you do with this show me an idea for this and those kids are gonna be having their brain cell you know they're not the brain cells turning what am i trying you know the wheels in their head turning and coming up with these amazing ideas on their own that it's so cool letting the students be the teachers too mm-hmm. and when you give them the opportunity to create it's it's awesome what they show you you know you're just kind of blown away by it sometimes I when I took my ORF level I same I I never really thought of movement (laughs) you think of movement just being music it's just dancing it's just moving with steps like you know a routine and it was eye-opening whenever my instructor showed us movement in a whole new way where you know I got to experience scarves and even no scarves but non-locomotor and locomotor movements and you know she would have us create different shapes with our bodies and don't move like the person next to you and then can you do this in four counts how can you create a flower and like things that i was like i would have never thought of that on my own but it's just so cool because you present those ideas to your students they same as adults have never had the opportunity most of the time to be able to create that way either so i can just imagine how much fun that is have you noticed a lot more engagement in your classroom since you've brought creativity into your classroom
1: that way? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I mean, also the disclaimer is like, I don't, I don't have big class sizes. I mean, Mm. I I don't want to come off as like, you know, this is the recipe for (laughs) experiencing playfulness in your classroom. Um, You know, I think there are certain parameters that and also with me, even if I have smaller class sizes, you know, there are certain groups that I have to be a little bit more structured with. Um, Right. So I I don't want to get a, I don't want to give ever a false representation, right? Every community and every class has its own needs, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But that being said, again, going back to the questioning, you know, you could have partners sharing instruments, you know, if you had a really big class, you, of course, you don't want 40 rhythm sticks happening all at <laughs> once. <laughs> oh gosh. It's all in the way that yeah. you really think about that questioning. And just to hear you talk about that, mm-hmm. you know, you are giving the questions. You remembered that experience mm-hmm. because it seems like just what I'm hearing. It's like that stuck with you Yeah, because you were given that freedom and you were yes. asked your idea. Right. And so I think I've honestly from those, you know, Kodai and ORF and, and also I've done quite a bit of movement training. Mm -hmm. Um, when I have been in a dance class and a, like a, any kind of movement masterclass, that's actually when it clicked for me Mm. about mm, five plus years ago the questions are so quick and so rapid and the energy around that is, I just, I learned how to take that and bring it into um, the classroom. Like I said before, you know, okay, now do a, a high shape. Now try a low shape. What about a middle shape? Could you, you know, now it's your choice, high, middle, or low. And just the quickness of that Um, I think that's what really changed yeah and then the ability to have um, and kind of transferring it onto the the music part of it like with instruments or even the other day we were reading down by the station and this version of down by the station at the end the kids are or the the train is taking baby animals to a children's zoo. (laughs) Yeah. And then uh, I don't know if you know that version. Oh, totally. Yes. Okay. okay. I have
0: that one. Yeah.
1: Okay. So in the back of the book, there's the picture of the kids on this, you know, they arrive on the school bus, they get to the children's zoo. And I always say, oh, they're on a, they must be on a field trip going to the children's zoo. And in the back the last page is the kids and the animals playing together. And so even bringing these questions into something like that, you know, what is the elephant doing? You know, Mm -hmm. and you'll hear lots of different things at the same time, they're playing on the seesaw or what is the seal doing? They're playing with the ball with the boy, you know? So it's Mm -hmm. that sort of traffic jam, letting them answer but you've turned it into this playful experience instead of saying, raise your hand and tell me what the elephant is doing. Now, who is going to tell us what Mm. the tiger is doing? And, you know, (laughs) it takes away from the musicality and sort of the conversational like nature that the music class should kind of have anyways, that flow. Um, So that example just popped in my head. You know, thinking about the music part of it, not just the movement, but Mm -hmm. how to integrate that sort of playfulness in a group setting. Um, mm-hmm. That's just one little example I could think of.
0: Yeah. Hey, and that ties in perfectly to my next question, which is <laughs> okay. you and I, through our conversations before I've talked about how you love using books in the music room. And you just have a natural knack for knowing how to do it and n- knowing how to bring a story and create music with it. So you just gave a perfect example of that but what are some other ideas you have for making books musical for your students
1: oh my goodness i think there's so many um i think first you have to be sort of comfortable being a storyteller and working on that craft i think it's really important to find a hook in the story, um, a cre- maybe a creative way to introduce the book, find a way that gives the kids something to do or participate throughout the book, either vocally or with body percussion or instruments. If I'm thinking of specific things, I just thought, okay, there's so many ways to Engage with picture books, adding animal sounds, nonsense, or instrumental sounds, adding movement, like with a book like Barnyard Dance. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one off the top of my head. Um, that's a fun one. I love using um, the Follow the Trail books and having the students then make their own trail and turning it into a vocal exploration experience. Sing the story instead of speaking it. You can always make up your own melody, create a little music transition between the pages. Even if you're speaking a book, you know, you know, page turn sort of thing. Leave out words and see if they can fill in the missing word. Um, they love to do that with rhymes, right? I'm thinking about like just off the top of my head. hunting we will go yeah you know there's one version where it's like we'll catch a bear in his underwear or something (laughs) (laughs) they love that yeah um or filling in the words with with new rhymes you know like down by the bay or something like that or taking a book like I'm thinking of a book like pumpkin soup I think it's called Mm -hmm. or up down and around at the end of the book and that one, they're all having lunch. Mm -hmm. And so using that opportunity to either do like chop, chop, chippity chop, that rhyme, you know, let's cut up some food for our soup or for our lunch. You could insert like a known rhyme in between the pages, or maybe that's an opportunity to actually introduce it as a new rhyme, like as a transition. You know, picture books oftentimes have a lot of repetition. So turn that repetitive section into a song so that it becomes this musical experience. And then they, you know, it's a back and forth Mm -hmm. sort of question answer. I think I mentioned with Down by the Station, I kind of like to think of it as like, play an I spy game, you know? So even if you read that book even more than once, you know, where is the elephant? The elephant's on the seesaw, you know, or I spy the tiger. What is the tiger doing? So you can, again, make it into an I spy sort of experience. I don't know. Those are some things that I can think of just sort of off the top of my head. And then looking for books that are a little out of the ordinary, like pop-up books and Mm -hmm. um, books that have texture to them and things like that can also sort of inspire some musical opportunities
2: Mm
0: -hmm. for upper elementary speech pieces are great. I love poems and bringing poems into the upper elementary grades. In fact, I'm I told you this I'm developing curriculum right now a music curriculum um, for the state of Virginia. And one of the lessons I just finished creating was about rhythm and poetry. And I remember the, the the she's the head of the curriculum, was like, I've never, I didn't realize poems and music go together until I saw your lesson you created. And I think a lot of times teachers don't realize this conversation for another day, but all the things that the kids are doing in music where they are, they're practicing literacy skills just as much as, you know, music. But I love with older elementary, what I'm getting at is with a poem, you know, they speak it in a rhythm, but they don't realize they're doing that. And so when you slow it down, you're like, listen, pat the steady beat to this and I want you to hear the rhythm. You're saying like, let's find the, Let's identify the notes that you're you're already naturally speaking. And then also a part of that lesson is we added a melody to it as well. I had the students virtually add a, a melody, but they got to create their own. How do you want to sing this now you get to choose? And I gave them, you know, you can use steps, skips or repeats. But how are you going to create a melody based around the rhythm you just found in the poem? And I think that's so neat because talk about them forming connections with—they're doing musical play, but they're also forming connections. Like, wow, we do poems or stories all the time in our classrooms. I had no idea this could be musical, and I just think that's such right. a great way for them to form those connections in their brain with that as well. I'm sure the right. teachers, your the teachers in your school, have probably you know been so grateful that you're bringing in stories in the music room,
1: right? Yeah. And they really get it. I mean, even if you go back to the sort of the follow the trail books, you know, it's not just like, we're, we're doing this to do it. Right. Absolutely. And you know, the kids understand, Oh, when the, you know, when our finger is going up, our voice gets higher. And when it goes down, our voice Mm. gets lower. And so what makes those skills stick and makes it fun and motivating is that the kids, you know, first of all, maybe they get to touch the the book. So there's that tactile experience. And then they get to create their own. And so again, going back to that, that sort of idea of a hook, use the book as the hook. You've read it, you've, you know, asked them, you know, what happened to our voice? How did it change? And let them come to that instead of just telling them. And then now can you create your own? Yeah. And so they remember those things. And now, you know, can you go around and show a friend what you created and then let them try out your idea? I mean, mm. it seems so simple, but I just think, wow, you know, these little yeah. <laughs> tiny little board books can actually go a long way to letting a child really explore on their own. And then that collaboration piece, or just, just the idea of like sharing your work with someone else is so validating. I don't know. I I think there's just a lot there that you could go, like you could list all the, the positive things out of that. And to the naked eye it's like oh isn't that fun <laughs> <laughs> um, but for us we know all these foundations and and all of these positive emotional experiences um, are taking place I mean oh, they're so yeah. proud of their work you know and am mm-hmm. proud to share it and own it and so you know you never know what you can get just out of a of a a picture book and I feel like books again like that experience is so different than books Mm -hmm. um, in the classroom
0: yeah so what you're saying is there's no set way and throughout this conversation you've said that with books or bringing musical play in your classroom because every teacher sees different students every teacher teaches different grade levels for that matter and you it's about knowing your kiddos not doing it the same way across the board knowing each individual class and just getting comfortable with trying something because you're never going to know if it works unless you try. And I know that's a lot of the fear, what holds music teachers back from trying something in their music room. I can relate to that in a big way is you're you're not really sure how it's going to be received. Or I know for me, I was uncomfortable doing movement with my students because I was like, what am I going to look like? I'm not a dancer. Like how, how am I going to move in front of these kids? I'm going to get laughed at. When I would show up with confidence and just do it, they were confident in doing it, and so, gosh, that's a huge part of it. I think it's just taking yourself out of the equation and focusing on your students, getting out of your comfort zone, and just starting somewhere. You don't have to apply every idea you heard today. Just start somewhere. So, Tina, I want to hear any advice you have, any last minute advice, or anything maybe you didn't touch upon that you want to share with music teachers listening. I'm
1: not sure if this would be advice, but I would ask yourself the question, have you played today?
2: Mm, It's
1: good. Because I think oftentimes we get so busy or stressed that we forget how to activate that playful mindset. And this happens multiple times a day, right? You can have (laughs) a great class. You go to a meeting that doesn't sit well with you. Then you're in that mood, right? And then you go back to class. Maybe it's... Didn't go so well, then you have another class that went well, you know so I feel like it's a constant reset, but I think again, we've talked a lot about the importance of questions, so I think that's where I would I would uh, end that is you know how have you yourself played today and how have you honored that part of what you need
2: mm-hmm.
1: because If we don't play as adults, if we don't honor that playfulness, um, if we don't try to seek it out, you know, maybe it's maybe you've lost it. Right. Um, And I think it's really important to to gain that back, because if we don't have that in ourselves and like you said about confidence and being vulnerable, then we can't really authentically bring that to our students. and let them experience their play and, and whatever way, you know, that's unique to them. Um, and so I would also say in that regard, um, to think of play as play as learning. It's about finding your joy. It's about being yourself again, like you're saying, um, Finding that intuition, I know you've mentioned that a lot on your podcast, and yeah. I've really taken that to heart. Right, um, because when things don't go well, um, sometimes it's because of me because I'm I'm trying mm. something that just why am I doing this? Mm. This does not match my community, <laughs> mm. and so I think just being in tune, being being yourself, play is about exploring and connecting. And I'm going to go as far as saying igniting our senses. It's about really getting into the full sensory experience and, you know, play can reveal new parts to ourselves that we mm-hmm. didn't even know. So think about if you could do that for yourself, what it could do for your students and, and how you can see that you, you don't even know what the outcome is going to be, but wow, can you imagine how play can can do that and have the power to do that? So I think it's just about being intentional with, with having a playful mindset and, and looking for ways to include playful experiences mm-hmm. with your students through games, through projects, um, or just getting them engaged in the learning process because they're hard days, but through play. I mean, that's why it's there. So those hard days are going to come and then you can rely on that for relief in a yeah. way. So that's good. It's like when
0: you're having one of those days where you, like you said it, some classes go great. You get the next one. And it doesn't go so great. Sometimes it's you. Sometimes it's the students are off. Sometimes you can identify what happened till later in the day, but it's okay. Give yourself grace mm-hmm. and know that when you do bring play into the classroom, sometimes it's a mood resetter too. Sometimes you just scrap that lesson plan. It's okay. It's already typed up, ready to go. And you're like, listen, this is not going to work today. We're going to do some creative movement or we're going to just, you know, do something else to get the kids. Just, I can just tell there's just some mood in here today. And that, you know, I don't know what it is. You mentioned recess earlier, always (laughs) that class that comes in after recess. That's like, you just have to, instead of you know what is it you can't beat them join them it was kind of like this isn't working so we're gonna do a lot of something up front to calm them down a little bit get their energy the boys would still be mad about what happened on the basketball court like let's settle down then we can get into the lesson and
2: and then exactly. i maybe didn't need
0: to do that with the other fourth grade class but with that one i did and that's it goes just gosh man i've talked about that so many times too relationship building knowing your students That takes a while, it's not an overnight fix, but when you know the ins and outs of the different classes and sometimes your mood is great and sometimes it's not and just knowing the ebbs and flows and that really goes a long way. Just knowing yourself, your students, your community, Oh, everything you said, totally yes, 100%. (laughs) So (laughs) Tina, you have written recently some blog posts and I know you have more to come and some workshops I know that are in development and so many good things I cannot wait to see. And I would love for you
1: to let the listeners know where can they connect with you after this episode airs? You can find me at the website, popupforplay.com. And if you go there, you can grab a freebie. So we talked a lot about using books today in your music class. If you go to the website, you can grab a freebie called Vocal Exploration Ideas Using Picture Books. So there's about 10 books there and lots of ideas to use. I'm also on social media platforms like Instagram and Facebook and just recently starting to uh, post on Pinterest. And like you said, I have a blog and yeah. And uh, the social media is all with the same name pop up for play. Great. So love to connect. And I will include all of that in the
0: show notes. Um, Get the free guide. It's awesome. I've, I've seen it myself. It's amazing. She really poured her heart into that and it's great. You'll get so many ideas just from seeing the free guide. And Tina, thank you so much for coming on here. This has been amazing.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. It's I want to say I tried something new today. This is my first ever podcast. So thank you very much. I really had a lot of fun.
0: Well, hey there, thank you so much for listening into the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast. There is an exclusive Facebook group just for listeners of this podcast and any elementary music teacher called the Elementary Music Teacher Community Facebook Group. Come on over and join us there where we have conversations around the podcast episodes and encourage each other each and every week. And also head to my website, thedomesticmusician.com. I have some free resources there that you can download to help you gain traction in your classroom today as well as the blog and the membership site and all kinds of other goodies to help you keep going in your music teaching journey. I cannot wait to keep connecting with you and encouraging you and spurring you on in your journey of teaching elementary music. Hang in there, have an amazing week and I will see you soon.